guests, Meredith and Alexa, back on the mic with the Diet Doc Movement podcast, talking about all things macros, mindset, and movement. And we have a third blonde in the room today. (laughs) And we have Hannah here, the picky eating dietitian. And I know some of our clients are probably smiling to themselves being like, oh no, are they talking about me? I know I'm a picky eater. Yes, yes, we're talking about you. (laughs) Alexa might be talking about you, but really... Uh, Hannah's specialty is working with youth, but we thought this would be a great partnership and just a combination to talk about how to implement healthy eating, not only for your little picky eaters, but I think that you'll be able to have some takeaways for your own diet. So Hannah, thank you for being here today. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Give us a little kind of introduction about how you got into dietetics and then niche down to the little ones that are picky. For sure. So I'm Hannah. I am a picky eating dietitian and I've always had like a passion for food and nutrition. It's why I went into it. Um, always, it hasn't always been like the healthiest relationship, unfortunately, which I feel like a lot of dietitians struggle with. Um, So first I kind of started out, it was kind of like a little bit of an obsession with it. Um, And then after kind of working through some things, I kind of worked on like my own relationship with food. um, And I realized that's kind of like what my goal is, is for everyone to have like a healthy relationship with food. I definitely know that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, So at first I was kind of like working with adults a little bit, um, just kind of working on trying how to build a relationship with food, kind of intuitive eating, listening to our bodies. And then I started working with kids and that's kind of where I realized that's really where my passion is. Um, I was really never a picky eater. Fortunately, I, um, I really didn't think it was, a. I never knew it was a thing until I started working with like picky eaters. Um, and every time I would talk to parents, it's not like they were asking me like, how can I improve my kids' blood sugars or their cholesterol or anything like that? It was how can I improve their picky eating? Like, how can I just get them to eat like the foods that I want them to eat? Um, and I realized that it kind of then ended up, the parents have a lot of stress around meals, which then goes on to the kids. They have a lot of stress around meals and it just negative relationship with meals all over. So that's kind of, kind of a little bit of a background. When you say stress around meals, are you talking about like the parents having stress around creating the meals or it's just like the atmosphere is stressful and curious. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, you know, kids have a little bit of a mind of their own. So a lot of the time they around picky eating, really, I've seen that it happens around like 18 to 24 months. That's when it starts. Um, It can be for like various reasons. I mean, at this age, like kids automatically kind of just naturally want a little bit more control, more autonomy. Um, But then parents realize that they're not really in control at this point. And they, I mean, it's kind of natural. Like I would be the same way if I was a parent, like if my child's not wanting to eat certain foods or not finishing their meal, their food at every meal, you get worried about their weight. You get worried if they're getting all the nutrition that they need. So that's a little bit of like where the stress comes from. And then what I also see with parents is their child's not eating. So then their first instinct is to go to like trying to pressure them or bribe them, which then kind of backfires and then puts a lot of stress on the child. So just kind of like that never ending cycle. Do you feel like sometimes it's the parents that are like so pushy with these kids 
And really, it's like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> you know, yeah, the kids exactly. see the parents, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. They see mom. I'm using that as an example, but they see mom is going on a diet again. And so now we went from eating this meal till we all have to eat this way. And mm -hmm. like you said, it's just that like a relationship from the top down. I think so many times parents are just like pounding in their kid's head. And I'm like, let's take the blame off the kids for a second. Let's kind of point it back to the parents. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's something that I talk about with parents a lot is if you want your child to eat a certain food, the number one thing that you can do is eat the food yourself. I mean, like modeling has been shown to make a huge difference in just like picky eating and healthy eating in general, even like just kids being at school with their peers, they'll see that they're eating it. But yeah, I think it definitely, sometimes genetics does play a role. Like if the parent is naturally, if they're picky and they didn't eat vegetables, then they, the kid likely wasn't around them. They just never learned to eat them. That's what I always tell parents is eating is a skill. Like it, it's not something that kids are just born naturally to do. I mean, you have to learn it. And I think luckily I, I was grown up around my, my mom always had like fruits and vegetables around the house and she had a pretty healthy relationship with food. So it's not like I saw her like restricting or not having those foods available. So I think I just was naturally able to kind of like those foods. Um, but yeah, some, some kids just aren't, they aren't used to that and they weren't grown up that way. So fruits and vegetables are kind of foreign to them. And then, like you said, they kind of see their parents restricting and then they get confused. Like you want me to eat these foods, but you're not eating these certain foods. So. And honestly, that goes back to infancy. So I have a five month old, so I'm like just on the crest of starting to bring table food and everything that I'm reading. It's like introduce vegetables first, introduce some of that like savory, earthy flavor palette first before mm -hmm. fruits, not at the neglect of fruits, but just in here's the, the order in which to introduce because naturally fruits are higher in sugar. And I would say, would you say picky eaters typically gravitate towards fruit because of like the fructose in it? Or what do you like, what's your take on that as far as the introduction of some of the foods and how to help like prime the palate of someone who is a pickier? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I mean, yes, historically, it's always been recommended to kind of try to introduce vegetables before fruit. Um, I really haven't seen it played that big of a difference. I mean, we're naturally, we naturally like sweet things. So, I mean, kids are going to be the same way. So, I mean, what I tell parents all the time is just try to offer a variety. Um, the way that I like to think about it and tell my parents is that every meal, try to have like a protein source, a carb, and then some kind of color. Um, and think about like the rainbow, like the more colors that you can get on the plate, the better. Um, I also tell parents like vegetables, they don't have to taste bad. I mean, like season them, like cook them, add a dip, add like some seasonings. And also like, I think a big thing is parents often will be like, you have to eat your, your vegetable before you can have like the cookie or something. So then kids just naturally start to think like the vegetables, like bad or you know it doesn't taste as good the cookies like kind of glorified so I mean why would you want to eat something if you're if you're kind of like pressured to eat it or you're kind of you're going to get a reward for eating it so but I mean fruit or vegetable I think yeah vegetables taste or fruits taste a little bit better for picky eaters but a lot of the times it can be like a texture thing too um so some picky eaters really don't like fruits or vegetables it kind of really just depends on exactly why they're picky. So I have a question for you and 
I hear like split response. So I'm curious to hear your expertise here. Um, yeah. There's so many parents tell their kids that they have to finish their plate or you have to eat, like you said, eat this meal if you want a dessert or you, um, you know, like oh, when I grew up, we were told to clean our plates. What's your thought on that? Yeah, love that question as well. Uh, call that the clean plate club. Um, but no, I definitely do not recommend that. So what um, the framework of kind of whatever I talk about with parents is called the division of responsibility um, by Ellen Satter. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all, um, but pretty much Ellen Satter, she's a dietitian, but she's also a feeding expert. And she kind of came up with this framework around um, meals and just feeding your child to kind of help reduce the pressure around the child and the parent. So what she did was she divided it into responsibilities for the child and the parent at each meal. So the parent is responsible for what, when, and where of mealtime. So they're going to serve, like they're going to decide what foods are being served, when the food is being served, and what time. The child is then responsible for how much they're going to eat and whether they're going to eat it at all. So with that being said, I definitely do not agree with like the clean plate club. I mean, I think kids are naturally born with natural hunger and fullness cues. So, and then as we get older, you know, we, we start listening to the news or seeing the commercials or social media. And that's kind of whenever we start to listen to external motivators or um, that's how we then decide that they're going to base when we're full, you know, like where we can't eat at a certain time or can't eat this much because it has this many calories. So kids naturally, they can regulate that. Um, but what I also tell parents is it is important to have a set meal and sack schedule. So, I mean, if, as long as they're doing their job of providing a food that they know that their child will eat, hopefully with like a protein, a carb and a, and a color, I know that not every meal is going to be perfect. If you're, if you're providing that for them, then you allow them to decide how much they're going to eat, but then also let them know that this will be the last meal until the next snack or meal time, just so that they don't get in that habit of like grazing and just kind of eating whatever they want. That was going to be my piggyback question. A mom of a seven-year-old, five-year-old, and almost three-year-old, I feel like all I do is clean the kitchen <laughs> because mm -hmm. I make a meal, I clean it up. And then by the time I wipe that last crumb off the table and I'm ready to get out of the kitchen, my kids want a snack. And I'm like, how are you hungry? We just ate. So what would you say like, um, you know, I, I hate to be that mom. That's like, it's mealtime. You have to eat if they're not hungry. Right. Cause we're listening to their hunger cues, but how do you like combat that? Like you need to sit down and eat, but if you're not hungry, it's okay not to eat, but don't want to snack as soon as dinner's over either. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. I mean, like, like I said, I think it's important to start really early with like these set meal and snack time. So kind of just if, seven-year-olds pretty that's old enough for them to understand like hey like if you don't already have a snack schedule being like hey we're going to start doing breakfast lunch and dinner and then we'll have two set snack times I'm um, just kind of letting them know like the expectations like you I'm going to provide you something that you know that I know you are capable of eating during that time and then you're going to decide how much and whether but just so you know you won't be able to eat again until the next meal or snack time um, if they're younger that's where I tell parents just kind of starting starting young I mean offering trying to offer meals at the same time every single day just so their body gets used to that routine um and then just kind of letting them know the expectation at the meal I mean if they're if she if kids are like I'm finished and they still have a lot of food on their plate just letting them know okay that's fine but your next opportunity to eat will be 
at this certain time. So say you have that balanced plate of the protein, carb, and the color, and you are noticing a trend of like the color is always gone or that's the protein that's always been consumed and then they're like, I'm done. Is there a way to nurture the encouragement of eating, not eating everything on their plate, but trying everything on their plate? Yeah. So that's kind of, it's kind of like a gray area there, area there. And it kind of really depends on your child and if they're honestly a picky eater or not. Some picky eaters, they, any kind of pressure to eat is going to turn them off completely. They're just, they're not going to feel comfortable. They're going to immediately shut down. Um, what I tell parents is one, try to eat it yourself. And you could even, you could even make a comment about it. Like, oh, this is really yummy. Or look, mommy's eating this or you know what I mean? Like cues like that. Um, I've also seen where um, parents will like eat it off of the child's plate and, you know, then, then they're kind of wanting to get like more involved in um, trying those foods. Um, so that's kind of what I would say there. I would, it really depends on the kid. Typically I don't recommend saying like, just try a bite or um, something like that. I know some families have found it, that it's successful to have like a one bite rule to where every child is like encouraged to take at least one bite. And then if they don't like it, then just let them know that they don't, they can spit it out. Like always tell them like, you don't have to swallow it. You can spit it out. You can try it again another time. Like you're still learning, just kind of letting them know that it's just because they don't like it this time doesn't mean that they're never going to like it. So I feel like we've talked about Meredith, like the five month stage we've talked to, we've kind of covered two through seven. I think sometimes we forget, like we still have kids that are older kids. And I think those can sometimes be the hardest sports activities. You know, they've developed now years of habits that you're maybe trying to change. Um, any advice to parents that have kids that are in that like middle school, high school, maybe even still living with mom and dad after that? Yeah, I would agree. I think that can probably be the hardest stage just because at this point they kind of are set in their ways. So um, some people think that if they weren't grown up eating fruits and vegetables and they're kind of not ever going to do it. Not true. Um, once again, I would say one, the parent try to make sure that they're eating the foods with them. They're modeling kind of what that looks like. Also just kind of getting involved other ways. I mean, taking them to the grocery store, asking them like to pick out what they would like for dinner or what they would like to take to school for lunch, or even like what they would want to snack on after, after sports. And maybe just they're old enough at this stage, kind of like I was saying, maybe set them down and kind of tell them like what the different expectations going to be for meals. This is how we're going to build our plate. We're going to have, try to have a, a fruit and a vegetable, a protein and a carb, um, get them involved in the kitchen. Um, what I always tell parents is your child should not see a food for the first time on their plate. It should, they should be seeing it like at the grocery store. They should be seeing it in books. They should be seeing it at a farmer's market just so that they get comfortable with those foods. And then kind of gravitating it towards their plate, just so they feel comfortable with it. I'm so glad that you had said like the number one thing that you would encourage is the like modeling what they should be mm-hmm. eating. And what I find interesting that, you know, with a lot of our clients, we are starting from like square one, as far as teaching, you know, and we're, we deal with adults only. So teaching adults, what is a protein? What is a carb? They know fruits and vegetables, but like, what's the importance of including the fruits and vegetables besides the fact that their parents said that they were healthy? Like, let's talk about fiber. Let's talk about digestion. And so 
it really does come down to, we always say it, like knowledge is power, education is king, like teaching the parent, not just because, you know, they want to diet or like lose body fat, which is the majority of people that Alex and I are working with, but to be equipped with this knowledge to really, you know, teach their child some of these things, not from a macronutrient standpoint necessarily, Mm -hmm. but to teach them a a healthy relationship with food, to teach them blood sugar regulation, regardless if they know it's blood sugar regulation or not, Mm -hmm. but just to set this foundation of, Hey, like here we are in our thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, learning this, like, let's start to teach the younger generation just the foundations of nutrition. So I applaud you for, for picking this niche of uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I like that you bring that up because I think a lot of the time kids are, and hopefully it's changing now, but whenever we talk about fruits and vegetables, we're like, eat them because they're healthy or eat them because um, you need them or because you can lose weight or something like that. Whereas kids don't really know like what healthy means, you know, like that's kind of like a term that you learn later on. So what I always try to talk to kids about is like eat some um, bell peppers. They're high in vitamin C. They help with like your skin or um, you need this, this protein to help your muscles grow. You know, saying what exactly the food will do to their body directly, just so they can kind of think of it that way rather than like just eat it because it's healthy, you know? And then, or if they even hear like their parents saying like, I don't like fruits and vegetables, like they're going to pick up on that. And then like, they're, they might not even try it and they're not going to like it. So yeah, I think it's all about teaching them kind of like what it does for their body, like why it's good for them and kind of stay away from like the word like healthy or like good or bad. That's so funny you brought that up because my son will say like if he's eating broccoli or whatever, he'll say like, mom, will this make me poop good? I'm like, yeah, that's that will, buddy. You know, and he's always asking, is this healthy or does this, you know? So it's funny that you say that because I really try to focus on what it can do or like adding things versus trying to take away. One question that I do have, and I get this all the time from clients and some of them being the client themselves, some of them having kids that are younger, that are picky. What are some ways that like they can introduce things or maybe, maybe even hide them if, if the babies are, or, or kids are small enough that they, you know, are repulsive, absolutely will not try it. What are some other ways that like they can maybe add in some foods or, or what are their like, I guess, advice would you have for those parents? Yeah. Yeah. So whenever it comes to smaller kids and even older kids as well, I always recommend starting very small. So like I was saying before, the first time a child sees a food, it should not be on their plate. It should be kind of at the farmer's market, at the grocery store. Um, but if they are to the point where they are putting it on the plate, starting like with literally like one head of like one floor of broccoli or like one small pea just so they're getting that exposure over time and then always pairing it with a preferred food or a food that they've eaten in the past so research has even shown that whenever you pair a preferred food with a new food they're more than like they more they're more likely to try the new food just because they feel comfortable it's all about trying to make them feel comfortable around the new food um and just around meals in general as for hiding fruits and vegetables, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. But if we're doing like a smoothie or um, like rice, like cauliflower rice or something, um, they don't, you don't have to blatantly be like, I'm putting broccoli in your smoothie or I'm putting spinach in your smoothie. Like just let them see that you're putting it in there. And then 
depending on their age, they might like make a fuss about it or something, but then you can always say, just take a sip. You can always spit it out. So just kind of putting, putting things in that way. And then maybe like with the cauliflower rice, you can always maybe do like 75% regular rice, 25% cauliflower rice, and just slowly increase from there. My daughter like absolutely loves homemade pot pies and she'll do, she loves the chicken. She loves the crust and adding in the vegetables, she'll eat them. If I would serve those vegetables to her, just like plain Jane on a plate, she'd be like, she hates cooked vegetables. So it's, it's true. When you say that, that totally resonated with me because, because she knows she loves the chicken. She loves the breading. She's okay to mm-hmm. eat the vegetables within that mix. Cause that's her comfort zone versus just straight on your plate. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, what I always like to use the analogy of like mac and cheese, for instance, instance, cause I feel like a lot of kids like that. So next time, like you serve mac and cheese, like not trying to hide the broccoli in it, but literally add like the smallest piece of broccoli to the mac and cheese and then see if they eat it. And then like next time, add just like a little bit more. And then maybe the next time you do like broccoli with like a little bit of cheese on top. And then kind of over time, maybe they get to the point where they're just eating plain broccoli. Um, So it's all about just very small and gradual changes just to like help them naturally learn to build a preference for that. Um, like you were saying, if you go from serving like a chicken pot pie to just regular broccoli, she's going to be like, what the heck is this? Like, I don't want this. So just kind of making slow changes. Yeah, for sure. Do you find that some kids will, will like raw vegetables versus cooked vegetables? I find that my daughter is that way. I'm just curious if you've seen that or if, if that's something that somebody could try. Um, I yeah. think, it, I don't know. It does raw seem to be more like enjoyable for kids than than cooked or is it vice versa I think it really just depends on the kid because I mean some some kids really prefer crunchy some kids really prefer like um softer so if they prefer softer then that's kind of probably when they would prefer more of like a cooked vegetable um if they prefer crunchy then they might like more of like a raw what I vegetables are hard just for people in general not everybody likes vegetables they're they don't taste the best unless you kind of season them or you know how to cook them or if you just naturally like them. Um, but what I tell parents is if your child doesn't like raw fruits and vegetables, you can always start with like a like um, a freeze-dried version of it. So what I've been liking to recommend is like um, freeze-dried apples or strawberries um, just so that they're kind of, they're, they're getting the benefits of it, but it's kind of in a texture that, that they're comfortable with. And then over time, you could slowly kind of go to the um the cooked the cooked version or the raw version like for your for your child for example you could just slowly cook them over time like and see if she gradually learns to accept them that way but yeah it could definitely be a texture thing picky eaters are just they're so different like you just never know what they're gonna prefer and that's what we tell our clients too because they have this narrative of well I don't like fill in the blank and it's like well have we tried freeze-dried fruit. Have we tried, you know, cooking your broccoli in an air fryer so it's crispy? Just exposing themselves to trying new culinary experiences, I think is very hard later in life just because we don't think about it. So I love the fact that you're starting that experience with the littles. And I think that the parents will have a lot to learn from it too. Exactly. Um, 
So Hannah, how do you work with clients and how can people follow up with you if they have questions about their own cookie eaters? Right now, I just have one-on-one -on -one coaching available. Um, they can find that on my Instagram, the cookie eating dietitian. Um, right now I'm work it's a program, so it's 12 weeks, um, bi-weekly calls just via Zoom for like an hour or so. Um, it's just really indiv individualized support, just kind of meeting them where they're at. Like I said, every picky eater is very different. So just kind of working with parents on exactly what they're struggling with and then kind of getting down to the root cause of why their child is picky and then kind of going from there. So yeah, you can find me on my Instagram, the picky eating dietitian, my applications on there, they can message me. Well, I learned so much today <laughs> that I'm going to go home and implement. So thank you Hannah, <laughs> for being with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love talking all things food.